All right. So maybe that passage raises some questions for you. Um, it's still Easter that same day. It's that evening. The disciples have uh, run off and locked themselves away in, in a house. And, and who can blame them, really, if, uh, if they can crucify Jesus, if they can put him to a humiliating, excruciating public death, uh, they can certainly do it to those who are identified as his closest followers. So they are locked away in a house and uh, the risen Lord appears to them. Uh, but Thomas isn't there. And I thought that's an interesting question. Why, why wasn't, where, what, what was Thomas doing? He was one of the 12. Where was he? Was he less afraid than the others? Uh, so he was out there going back about his daily life. Um, I like to think he was, uh, he was one of those people who grieves on his own. He didn't want to be with people well, when he just was off. Just, he was like often is in his room crying by himself. That's what I think. I, if you're, you know, he just lost Jesus, and I think his grief just, you know, some people need community, and some people are like, yeah. Out. And I feel like Thomas was like, I, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like that idea that he's grieving somewhere and misses it. Clearly. And I also like the. Um, that the disciples see Jesus and a week later they're still hiding. And I think that's also really interesting where it's like they see Jesus and they're not immediately like, okay, Jesus rose, we're going to go out and do it. But a week later they're like, they saw Jesus and they were still hiding. Takes a while to sink in. I know, which I feel like is very appropriate for this mm -hmm. <laughs> current Jesus. The tomb is empty. We celebrated last week and then everything feels kind yeah. of the same. I think it's relevant. I heard that differently this year. Yeah. Here, everything everything sounds different, doesn't it? Even the scriptures when we read them. <laughs> right. All right, Katie, you got one for us? Yep, this came from our Instagram. Um, do you believe that spirits or angels lead you in a certain direction or send you signs in life that are good or bad? Hmm. Angels or spirits? That's really a great question. <laughs> I think everybody has a way their people who have gone before show up to them. Uh, that's what I think of when I think of angels or spirits. So for me, I posted this on Instagram this past week, but just uh, how my grandmother gave me this phrase when I was <laughs> first dating Sam. Uh, we were talking about the awkward years. We were out to breakfast or lunch with her, and she looked at me just deadpan and said, your mother did the best she could with what she had to work with. And it was so mean and so funny and, uh, and so Grammy Bridget. And um, she's not alive anymore but people have been saying that phrase more often and i feel like it's a way she shows up where people all the time right now people are saying we're all doing the best we can with what we have to work with and i just think every time somebody says that phrase that's i feel like that's my grammy being like mm. listen <laughs> i just see her saying that same thing to me <laughs> so so brutal and so funny mm. and so i don't know that i think everybody has their story of a way their people show up and we are all allowed to interpret that how we need to or want to. And I don't think it's anybody's place to judge how my people show up. And I'm not going to judge how your people show up. Yeah. I mean, we have to be careful in terms of our sort of theological heritage to not sort of, uh, I don't want to say condone, but embrace a kind of this idea that we have access to being able through some medium usually to speak to the dead, you know, yeah. because uh, our 
confessional theological heritage would preclude that sort of thing. But I love what Pastor Natalia is saying. We all have experiences that are really difficult to explain. And sometimes they feel like, like a message, like yeah. a connection to somebody we love. You know, if we consider us all part of the kind of the heart and will of God, why cannot God continue to keep us connected in, in even sort of almost mystical ways to people who have gone before us and people we love and miss? But not only people, I mean, the question is spirit and angels. And I, you know, I, yeah, I, there, are, there are so many really inconceivable um, experiences that people have that are in, inexplicable. Yeah. according to the sort of regular thing, you know, way life goes. And I'll just share a little tidbit of a personal experience of my own. I was, I was about to start seminary. I, we're going back 30 years now. So, so long <laughs> ago. A long time ago. But, um, so I, I, was, I was having doubts about what I was and I wasn't sure. I was thinking, I don't know what I'm thinking. Why did I decide this was, I don't know. This is, I just don't, I don't feel like this is, I was really deciding to, that it was all wrong for me. I, I happened to have been on my way up north. I was driving up north in my gold Chevy Citation. <laughs> what a car that was. Um, and uh, so I was having these doubts. And back then, 30 years ago, I'll tell you, I have always just had loved, loved, loved uh, bald eagles. Loved to see them. I spent some time in Alaska where it was more common to see bald eagles. 30 years ago in Minnesota, it was rare to see them. Now we see them. <laughs> I see them on my way to church half the time. Mm -hmm. We see them all the time. I saw one this 30 morning. years ago, I hadn't seen one um, yet in Minnesota, in fact. I had not seen one. Uh, but I, again, spent time in Alaska, and they were just one of the, just a majestic animal, and I just loved seeing them. Anyway, so I'm driving up north uh, in my Chevy Citation, feeling an overwhelming sense of doubt, which was filling me with a kind of almost a dread. Like, I have, I have put myself on a path in a direction that I am, I'm not any longer sure that it feels right to me. And I, I was sort of having this, um, this, crisis, if you will, and suddenly, right in front of the Chevy Citation, <laughs> circles a giant full-plumage bald eagle. I pulled over and slowed down and just watched it and thought that, to me, was a sign. It's still something that I look back on and see as a, a sign. Would mm -hmm. you say a spirit? Would you say an angel? I don't know, but it was the first time in my, uh, at least my adult life, that I'd ever seen a bald eagle in Minnesota, and it came right at that particular moment. So yeah, do I believe that, that God can access us via uh, sort of mystical, otherworldly ways? I think absolutely yes, and it's fun. Um, maybe, maybe some of you want to share in the comments uh, later uh, some of your own experiences, and we can all sort of feast on some of these examples out there, but that's just a little one I've had. Uh, okay, so now the questions are starting to roll in, so I'm gonna do my best to keep up with all of these. Um, some people are saying their first car was also a citation. Um, other people are commenting on how their parents or they have seen angels right before they pass, so just 
some yeah. commentary on previous questions. Um, what are some ways we can live into the Easter season of hope and resurrection when daily life more closely resembles the Lenten journey in the wilderness? Oh, I love this question. Who asked that question? That would be from Stacy Rudolph. Stacy, get it, girl. Of course it is. But also, yes, that's such a great question. I think one of the things to remember in this season is that Easter is 50 days long as a season. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to assume, I'm going to write an assumption into this and say that it is intentional. It is longer than Lent. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case on purpose, but I feel like it's 10 more days. And I love that it's 10 more days. Uh, and part of me feels like it takes us that long to let it sink in and that, and that it's okay that it doesn't feel like Easter yet. And part of that is what I said with the Thomas story this idea that the disciples on that first day, that same day, so the day Jesus died, they were locked up, or the day he rose, they were locked up in a room, and he showed up. And then a week later, they were still locked in that room. And I just love that idea that they, they weren't there yet. They weren't ready to let it sink in. And I, I think these stories that come up now in our lectionary, in the gospel, um, in this Easter season, are all moments of Jesus showing up with people who don't quite get it yet or don't quite haven't let it sink in yet and I feel like they're gonna just like we said they're gonna sound different this go around these moments of next Sunday the text is the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus and saying this phrase that I love we had hoped gosh we had hoped this would turn out differently and boy I love those three words they're painful and raw and beautiful and to, to think that this season is more than just the day. This year we get to remember that in kind of a different and more apparent way, I think, that it's Easter season, not just Easter Sunday. Yeah. And that, you know, for me, Easter, Easter always is, um, it has that sort of darkness, that element of um, sadness and fear right through Easter Sunday morning. I mean, we, you know, that, the way the whole Easter story begins is, is, is Lenten-like. It's, you know, loss and death and dejection and disloyalty and rejection and fear and death and defeat. It's just, that's most of Easter. And then there is this resurrection, which is um, obviously the focus and the, and, the, and the joy and the gift of the day, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't erase all of that other stuff that was happening and is happening in the world. I mean, Easter always comes in the midst of, you know, some kind of pandemic for somebody. There's all, always, Easter is always the first Easter without this one I love who has died for somebody. Huh? And Easter is always in the midst of some fearful uh, even sometimes terrible thing for somebody else. So Easter always is in the context of, of you know, loss and, and, and sadness and fear. Um, this, this year, it's got a more collective you know, yeah. element to it. We're all connected in a similar kind of anxiety. Um, and so there's that context that informs this particular Easter for sure. That's a great question. Great question. I love the idea of believing is seeing, but also it's hard. Why do you think God reveals themselves in our current day to some people and not others? 
Or do you think that some people just aren't open to seeing? Or does God reveal himself differently today than back in biblical times? I, I think God reveals God's self to everybody. That's what I think. When people have different lenses through which they interpret that. Um, that's, I mean, that's the start of my response to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think when, the, again, this kind of goes to what, what I just said about these next couple of Sundays of, of, of stories, post-Easter, post-resurrection stories, Jesus doesn't show up in the same way for anybody. And that matters right now a lot because when we have an expectation that Jesus is only going to show up to us in a certain way, we so often miss the way God is actually showing up to us. And I think that that means part of our, this is why this book is going to be so interesting for group life, not to pitch it again and to jump back in, but this, an altar in the world is like Barbara Brown Taylor giving us opportunities to go and look for God showing up in, in the ordinary and normal and typical and outside of this what we we sort of expect Jesus to show up in church right and we expect God to be present in church and she's saying but when you when you stop looking outside of the four walls then you're missing out on so many ways where God is showing up and I think this is why when Pastor Chad says share your stories of these moments that matters because you get to see all of these, when he said that, that phrase you said, I just love that we get to feast on this. Mm. That, idea, that, that way we share how God has shown up for us expands everybody else's experience of God. So we start looking for God in different places because, you know what? If I see an eagle on my drive home today, that, that's going to say something different to me than it would have on my way here, right? And, and I think that matters. To me, I see, I always feel like... Um, there's hawks on light posts all over, <laughs> especially on my drive, which is between, you know, 694 and down through downtown. There's always hawks. And sometimes like we like to count and see how many we see. And to me, that's that's just a way of I I sort of think of God watching over me in that way. Every time I see a hawk, I think like it's just up there kind of watching. Mm. And I like this idea of being protected and being watched over. Uh, and that's been helpful for me. And so those those ways of God showing up, that's that's about that's not about Thomas getting to touch. That's about God showing up in different ways for everybody. I, I'm assuming this question is about like we don't get to see God show up in the same way, like Jesus appearing in the room and being like, Hey, here I am. But that's that's such a small view of how God shows up is to assume God only shows up in a locked room and says, Hey, here I am. Blessed are those who will believe, yet they have not seen, Jesus said in this right. gospel reading today. And some people read that as a real mm. rebuke of Thomas. I also feel like Thomas demanded something without seeing it. And so to me, I'm like, in some ways, that's a, that's a blessing upon Thomas as well. But that blessing is for all of us, right? Like, blessed are you. Blessed are you who have not seen in this way and yet still believe. I, we all have days where it's really hard to believe. I have those days too. Uh, and that's when these stories of, of faith help hold us up when we, don't, when we aren't able to hold our own faith up anymore. And I think like that is, to me, sort of the power of community and sharing these moments and sharing these stories. is like, okay, I don't have it today, but 
but Chad does, so he's got me right now, right? So that's, uh, that's what community can do. And that's why these stories of belief and experience and showing up are so valuable, particularly now. <laughs> mm. All right. With the cross being the universal symbol of Christianity, I've always been curious how much longer after Jesus' crucifixion was the cross still used for that purpose. And with that, how the cross became the major symbol even with its traumatic history? Oh. No, it's a Christian history question. I mean, you'd have to Google oh. that. Oh. I know, I'm like, yeah. oh. There's a yeah. great video that our group life did a while ago about the cross and how people like adorned it, try to make, it, try to make something not beautiful beautiful and how it kind of became this symbol, which I really appreciated, but I can't remember. I, I can't that's remember more the, a contemporary yeah. treatment of that. I mean... The history of the cross in the sort of first century is the question, like um, appropriation of it as a symbol of Christianity. That that's uh, um, it's knowable. I just don't have it in my head. This, this, yeah. this you know, I know that crucifixion was a, a was a, a Roman method of keeping the masses in check. Uh, it was a public humiliating death. So the point of it was to be public, to be seen. Uh, and so that was, you know, utilized for, um, I'm not sure when that would have um, yeah. discontinued, if you will, um, or precisely when uh, the cross itself in the history of the early church became a symbol. But it was very early on because there, I mean, there are yeah. indications that it was a, a very early symbol of Christianity, the, the, the cross and its connection, obviously, to the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah, the, I think the earlier symbol was the, the ichthys, fish, right? right? The yeah. fish, which was their um, sort of secret way of, of saying, like, are you an insider or an outsider kind of thing? Like, mm. do, you under, do you know about Jesus? It was like the way of asking without asking. Um, I don't know when it, I really don't know when it transitioned over, but it, mm -hmm. Ask, ask Alexa in your house. I hope I just turned her on in your <laughs> yeah, house. Yeah, that's right. Alexa, <laughs> when did the cross become a symbol of the of the of Jesus of Christians? She Hopefully, she answers answer. it for you right now. I was just gonna say, knowing who asked the question, I'm just gonna go on record to tell him to ask his dad, um, who was a former assistant to the bishop. So, uh, <laughs> just start up that one at home. Um, let me see here. Let me find one. Okay, so. Uh, how do you reconcile with family or friends who maybe are on a different political end of the spectrum than you in this time? Well, first I'll say that's not a theological question, so it's a little bit out of the scope of what we generally discuss. So Katie can answer that since she decided to leave. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm not sure um, uh, to, the, to the effect that you know, to the extent that these political disagreements and they're strong and there's a lot of vitriol and there's a lot of animosity that's generated and there are strong feelings. Um, all I will say is that from a, from a Christian perspective, from a Lutheran theological perspective, our, you know, our foundation um, to approach whatever issue it is from political ideology to any other thing is how 
is this love for my neighbor. Huh? This is the greatest commandment. There's no squirreling you know, out of it. There's no getting out, weaseling out of it. You, you've got to always address this question when you're going into a voting booth, when you're choosing to do this and not that, whatever it is. Uh, so the question isn't so much uh, Uncle Joe, who's you know on the far other side of the political spectrum from me, and I just can't even stand uh, to engage with them any longer. The real question for all of us to, to settle in with, at least from a Christian, from our faith perspective, is how does my position care for and love the neighbor? And the neighbor is anybody who isn't me, all right? So that's, uh, I mean, that's a sort of a, a umbrella way that I would address the, that kind of issue because I know it's, it's out there for everybody. So this one is technically theology-based, um, but is God, quote-unquote, allowing this to happen, our current situation? Hmm. That's a fantastic question. Um, the, the, big, the big question, <laughs> the question, right? Of, yeah. Of, <laughs> There's a great um, album by Roger Waters, uh, Pink, of Pink Floyd fame. Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of the name of the album. The Final Cut. <laughs> and uh, the theme that runs throughout the album and the title song in the album is uh, related to, uh, the refrain is, what God wants, God gets. And then, and then that lists uh, everything that you can imagine. War, destruction, famine, you know, all of these things, I mean, the, the sort of theological case being made there is that if God is omnipotent, huh, if God is all-powerful, then what God wants, God gets. This is a very difficult theological um, construct for us to squirm out of. Huh? So do, does God want this um, pandemic? Well, we do have a theological way to approach these types of questions. Um, and that is we, we, our theology, drawn from the scriptures, even from the early creation stories, speaks about a broken creation. Sometimes the language is a fallen creation, but a creation that, all, that is groaning toward the day of redemption. All of it, all of us, all of it. So in this brokenness, in this fallenness of this creation, while we are moving toward God's promised future of redemption and all of creation groans for that day to come there are things that happen that uh that befall the humankind and the planet that are broken and and uh in need of god's redeeming and so i would say that uh, that is to say that no god does not want a worldwide global pandemic that is bringing death and destruction, especially to the most vulnerable in this world. No, um, our theology. But so then you have to have some sort of way to respond to it. And that's where we would speak of the fallenness or brokenness of creation that is groaning for the promised day of God's redeeming. Um, and so in the same way that God can redeem a sinner, God can redeem the death of God's own son on the cross, 
uh, we, we pray and, and yearn for the day of redemption when all of creation is redeemed and these uh, broken things, these fallen things that, that happen from tsunamis to pandemics uh, will be no more. Yeah, I think uh, a helpful two words or helpful phrase for me is to think of that we are in the not yet, right? We are in, in the in-between. And I think when we as people living in this broken world that is moving towards this redemption, uh, this final act of redemption that will redeem the whole world and uh, make everything right again. Uh, as we are in the not yet, we have two choices. We either just sit and wait for it, knowing it's coming, or we, or we actively go out and work with God in making it come. And, and I think they're, both are possible. And at, at, honestly, right now, some of us need to just sit and wait. <laughs> some of us are not in a place where we can actively go out and do things. And there are other people who are actively going out and being God in the world right now. Um, people making masks, people, uh, there's a, a distillery in my neighborhood that is making hand sanitizer because they don't have the, that's what they're doing right now. I just think that's so beautiful what people are doing. There's Bauer Hockey is making face shields because they're not making hockey equipment right now. Like those things are so beautiful. And that is, that is just joining God in these acts of redemption in a broken world. And I, that, those moments, what we call, you know, spots of hope or good news or whatever we want to call it in the world, you see that. And I think part of our job is to name it as this is, this is redemption happening around us. And we are in the not yet. And if you feel like you need to sit and cry and be in a ball under your blankets at home right now, that is, that is fine. God is still at work redeeming the world. And, uh, and, and it is fine if you just hide for a bit. But I also think there is a great joy and a great uh, honor to join God in the work of redeeming. So in the great not yet where we currently sit, I think we can still be people of hope. Look for the helpers, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, that's right. Use Mr. Rogers. All right, so that was 25 minutes, give or take. That's how quickly this time goes. Every time we do this, we're sort of shocked, and we always have Nick put up a timer for us so we can see that the time is drawing close. But why don't, why don't we just, let's take one for the road here. Where, cause... And real quick, um, I, I will try to go through, I don't know if you have time to, we'll try to kind of throughout the week go through these and try to give a, a little answer here and there so some of the questions don't just get you know, lost, lost the... out there. Particularly if you were a person who submitted a question online, we'll try to make sure that we get to those too. Yeah. So the last question we'll do today, first of all, a couple people commented that you were able to open their A-L-E-X-A from I know, from I, got the, a, I got a text that said, she said, hmm, I do not know that one. <laughs> so um, the last question for today is if, if you feel like your relationship with God and or the church are broken, how do you go about mending that relationship? Yeah, I mean, we, we're well aware of this um truth for a lot of people and you know we grieve with those who feel that way and we understand how people get to that um place um <laughs> and 
you know, we, we, we endeavor to be, however humbly and, you know, ineffectively maybe at times, a place to where, we, where you can be welcomed back. Um, but I'm not sure what it might be that for the person who asks the question, uh, how that relationship has been broken for you. But I am sure that the community of faith, um, and particularly this community of faith, um, is, uh, has wide open arms and open doors and you are welcome. Not so we can start working on you and get you to be the person you should be, um, but you're welcome just exactly as uh, who you are. And the beauty of not knowing who you are is that, um, that I can speak to you in a way that you know has nothing to do with uh, whatever it is that might make you feel like the, the church, the community of faith is not for you because I want to say it is for you and precisely you and the, the current version of you. And so, um, I, you know, I'm sorry that you don't feel that. Um, and uh, we wish you did because we'd like you to know you're welcome here. Yeah, I think if you, um, if you feel like your relationship with God is broken, I will say that it's only broken on one, on one side. And that um, if, if this were, so I have moments in my own life of faith where I have definitely just been full angry at God or not sure this, not sure it was legit, right? I don't know if I believe in this right now. And in that I have generally a few things I do when I feel that way. Um, I spend time with people who are, who are in a good place faith-wise, and I draw on their faith in those moments where I don't have it. Um, I go outside because God has always spoken to me in nature and creation. And I think for everybody, God, how God has spoken to you before is a good place to start if you're not sure if God is speaking to you now. So if that's church, then yes. If that's music, then take a listen to the next song for sure. Uh, if if it's uh, nature, if it's however, prayer, scripture. I, I wouldn't say like open up your Bible and that's where you're going to find God right away. I think sometimes that, that's what people feel like they should do. They should open up Bible. They should pray harder and then God will, you know, they'll, they'll be, it's, it's not always those things. That can help if that's helped before. But I also think uh, my friend, a, a pastor friend of mine, Meta, said the bold words during worship are because some things are too heavy to carry on our own. And I think that's such a beautiful reminder that, that when we say prayers together and when we say words of faith together, sometimes we say them together because not everybody needs, can, can say it right now. And that's okay. And just being here means that, okay, on this day, I will speak it for you. And that's okay. And God still looks at you and calls you beloved and claims you and names you, and those things matter, even if you can't say it back, and even if you can't look at God and, and respond in the same way. Um, I think 
that that ha that can be enough that can be enough just that can be enough um so i hope that helps and i hope that um i mean it's hard and i get it and a broken relationship of any kind is hard but one i will say god can handle it and if you're mad or something happened to make that relationship break um, that God is the great redeemer and that there is no place you've gone or no feeling you feel or no doubt you feel that can separate you from the love of God.